Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. For example, when I went to Loyola Chicago for school, I joined a Filipino organization and it was, I thought I would immediately form these bonds, but I still felt isolated because I couldn't connect with them on a cultural level. It's always someone else telling our stories. People ask me about my real parents. Let's not use the word real parents. It's birth family, first family, biological family, things like that. I think the birth search is incredibly personal and complex. According to critics and general audiences at RottenTomatoes.com, the new film Joyride is indeed a ride worth taking. The unabashedly raunchy, decidedly adult comedy focuses on four Asian-American friends traveling together in China. While the trip starts off being about work in Beijing, it soon becomes a journey each friend takes in understanding themselves and one another. And for Ashley, the film's main character and an adoptee, it's a journey in discovery and affirmation. And it's just one, and a fictional one at that, among the multitude of transracial adoptees here in the States, and all the different experiences they have in real life. Here to talk with us about their thoughts on Joyride and offer insights into conversations prompted by the film around family, birth search, and belonging, we welcome three guests with very personal ties to transracial adoption and growing up in Missouri. First, we have Bailey Martin Giacalone, who's a postdoctoral research scholar in epidemiology at Washington University. She's a Chinese adoptee who was raised in Belleville, Illinois. Bailey, welcome. Thank you for having me. We also have Michelle Lee, journalist and KSDK Today in St. Louis co-anchor and the co-founder of Very Asian Foundation. She's a Korean adoptee and was raised just outside Kansas City, Missouri. Michelle, welcome back. Thank you. And of course, we have Seth George. Seth George is a strategic administrator with the nonprofit World Affairs Council of St. Louis. He's a Filipino adoptee who was raised in Edwardsville, Illinois, and St. Louis. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to have all of you here today. So we're going to talk about the film first. I I have finally <laughs> seen it. I saw it yesterday, <laughs> and you all have seen it too. Why did you go and see the film? Let me ask you first, Seth. Yeah, I decided to see the film because it's important important to me for representation. And growing up, I didn't see many people on the media who looked like me or in TV films. So seeing an all-Asian cast really intrigued me, and I really wanted to learn more and see what their perceptions were mm-hmm. of transracial adoption. Yeah. Billy, how about you? 
Someone actually told me about the film being centered on an adoptee experience. And when I saw that the Very Asian Foundation was hosting an adoptee screening, um, I was really excited at the opportunity to be in a room full of adoptees, which I don't experience or (laughs) actually have not experienced. And so um, it meant a lot to be able to watch this film and and experience it all together. Mm -hmm. Now, Michelle, you've spoken about your experience as a transracial adoptee. And as we mentioned at the top, you were the co-founder of Very Asian Foundation, which hosted a screening of this film. Why did you want to see the film? And why did you want it to be seen? I, well, when I saw the trailers, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Um, But then when I started following some of the groups, I thought, well, wait, where are the adoptee spaces? Where are the adoptees at the screeners? And where are the, where's the great language about, you know, the adoptee, the birth search and all these things. And so then I started, you know, trying as the Variation Foundation to say, okay, where can we make space for ourselves? How can we do it? How can we get help? And how can we have fun? Of course, this is supposed to be a joyful movie. But when you're talking about birth search, it's agony in real life. It's really traumatic, even in the best case scenarios. I don't know mm-hmm. what best means. But you know, um, so I thought, gosh, we have to see this together as a group. Yeah. And the conversation then that you were having um, as individuals, like with with other people, be it your families or friends, or if you have connections with people who are also adoptees, like were you all excited about this film? Was it on your radars in a way, um, you know, that that is remarkable in some fashion? I'll just jump in. Yeah. I, I was excited. I was ready to see it. I had been it had been on my radar, but I also feel like I live in a lot of those very Asian spaces now. Um, so maybe my heightened sense is different than everyone else's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I was. I mean, in the Asian American space, so many people were excited to see it. Yeah, yeah. I think that I was maybe a little bit skeptical. Like, what is this film really about, and mm-hmm. how does it? relate to me as an adoptee and some of us have talked a little bit about who you know is making the film and um how those stories are really represented Mm -hmm. seth how about for you yeah i definitely was excited to see this film as i said before representation in the media is important to me um but i think after watching the film there's definitely some mixed emotions about what was represented and what was um, portrayed as transracial adoptees and um, yeah yeah so it was a cast of all women um, so there's that part of it Seth you grew up in Edwardsville mm-hmm. and then here in St. Louis do you recall seeing any representations of transracial adoptees in popular culture as you were growing up Not in popular culture, um, but luckily at my high school, I was able to find another transracial adoptee um, who I befriended. And it was nice to be able to have a person to talk to who could relate to me on my experiences, even if we didn't understand what our experiences entailed, Mm -hmm. it was still nice to know that there was somebody who could relate to me in that sense. And Michelle, as you're hearing Bailey and Seth 
you know, uh, they're of a different generation, and you're all from different places originally. How does that hit you as someone who organized the screening? And then we're going to get to conversation about the guide. But oh, sure. You know, I think that we're still so underrepresented, and I think that is why I was excited and cautiously optimistic about the movie because. We have rarely seen adoptee-centered stories. Um, it's always someone else telling our stories. And I say, you know, gosh, adoptees, transracial adoptees, especially Asian-American adoptees, have really worked on building Asian-American communities. But what Asian-American communities are working to build the adoptee space? And that's mm. so often um, the challenge that adoptees have because we go out in the world and we look at we look Asian, you know, and so we fight the same battles that everyone else does. We are also learning culture, like so many of my friends who have Asian parents, yeah. um, but we are not seen necessarily as people who should be taking space. Mm-hmm. And part of that space is print space, whether that's digital or uh, in other forms of media. And so Very Asian Foundation has come out with a a guide for media. Was that something that was already in the works before Joyride came out? Tell us a little bit about that. It was not. So that's why we we lost a lot of sleep trying to get this together because we already know so many of the basics, you know, things that we've heard for decades now, um, positive language versus negative language. And so we just kind of hit the the basics on, you know, let's not use the word, word real parents. It's birth family, first family, biological family, things like that, that are really, um, that really make a huge difference in how we talk about adoption and transracial adoptee experiences. Um, but with the movie Joyride, we saw so much uh, so much problematic language again in the media, in in big spaces too, mm-hmm. not just like the YouTube blogger. I mean, we saw it in in you know uh, traditional media, yeah. and so it was like we have to do something because this is not going to stop. Mm-hmm. It probably won't stop with our guide out being either, but you know we are trying to make right. a to make some space. And Seth, you were nodding when Michelle was talking about real family. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was very excited to see um, this guidance being published by um, the Very Asian Foundation, just since I've experienced many people when I'm, I'm open about my adoption, and that's something I, I'm very proud of, but people ask me about my real parents. Do I want to um, find my real parents? And it's a sensitive topic for me because I consider my real parents to be those who adopted me, and trying to educate another person on my mindset of why I consider um, my real parents my real parents um, can be can be sensitive and can be challenging and it's nice to know that there is a guide for people who communicate with adoptees mm-hmm. um, to learn what what words to use and yeah. what words not to use because it can be a very sensitive topic for mm-hmm. many adopted. Bailey, for your part, um, you know, when we talked before um, communicating about this segment, you were very specific about the birth search part not being something that you could relate with. Tell me about that. Sure. I think the birth search is incredibly 
personal and complex. There's a lot of layers and privileges that come with being able to even start a birth search and the the resources that one may or may not have to do so. Um, I think for me, like I have not started a birth search and um, a lot of that is due to just time and, and things going on in life. But I think that um, being respectful about one's wishes to engage in a birth search or not is, is really important. There's just a lot of unknowns and um, mixed emotions that are just deeply personal and, and should be respected um, across individuals. Yeah. We're speaking today with Bailey Martin Giacalone, as well as Seth George and Michelle Lee. All three are transracial adoptees who make their home here in St. Louis. Uh, And we're talking about transracial adoption and experience in the context of the new film, Joyride. So Joyride, the screening, I unfortunately was not here when it happened, but one part of it that really intrigued me um, as someone who is not an adoptee and wanting to hear from adoptees, there was a, a post-screening conversation. Michelle, tell me a little bit about that and why it was incorporated into that Lionsgate screening a couple weeks ago. I thought it was incredible. And also, I just want to thank Lionsgate and Tremendous Communications because they helped us put it together despite not knowing what we might say, right? (laughs) Um, And so we had four uh, panelists, all women, um, and uh, three Korean adoptees and one Chinese adoptee. And I think it was so powerful because of the way the storyline works. And we had all been in different um, situations, whether it was reunion or not uh, interested or maybe not wanting to talk about adoption at all. Um, in fact, one of my friends on the panel, she said, you know, I'm still processing. I, I, I'm not sure if I want to talk about it. And that's okay. Everyone on the panel got emotional. Um, and I think that that shows you that even in like the raunchiest comedies, uh, it, it the birth, just talking about the adoptee experience is very emotional and and deeply sensitive and it's hard it's a it's really hard so to have it summed up in the way that it was in the movie absolutely not realistic uh-huh. so you know and I, I just heard Min Jin Lee speak at an at the Asian at the Asian American Journalist Convention and she said you know I work so hard to try to get everything right because the minute I don't tell the truth it takes you out of the story and so for a lot of adoptees even though there were these heartwarming moments I definitely felt pulled out of the story yeah Seth and Bailey, when you have had conversations with other transracial adoptees, what are some of the things maybe that you um, can connect or bond over that those who are not adoptees just don't understand? (laughs) (laughs) There's so much. Um, I think like living between these two kinds of worlds and pressures. It's definitely a lot of pressure to, to, you know, go out in the world and be like, I am Asian American. And then for people to say to you either, no, you're not, or um, yes, you are. And those things can be positive and negative. Um, And so I think when connecting with other adoptees, they really understand that because the experiences that we have are very connected to these two um, pressures and and identities that we hold that are very intersectional. Mm-hmm. Seth? 
Yeah, I think when I have spoken to my um, my friend who was also adopted, it was we really discussed the sense of belonging and where we belonged because despite presenting as Asian, um, there was a sense of loss because I didn't understand or knew know about the culture, the Filipino culture. Um, I was fortunate enough to have family friends who were Filipino, and they introduced me to the f- amazing food um, <laughs> and whatnot. And we were able to go back and see the Philippines as well. But mm-hmm. it was still, um, for example, when I went to Loyola Chicago for school, I joined a Filipino organization, and it was... I thought I would immediately form these bonds, but I still felt isolated because I couldn't connect with them on a cultural level. Um, And then, of course, connecting with the mass community in St. Louis was challenging sometimes. Michelle? I totally agree with all that. I mean, I I joined a Korean group in college 20 years ago, (laughs) and the same thing, you know, I just could not hang. And um, the thing that I think really bothers me the most is that actually, if you're Asian American in this country, we all have very similar experiences. Because your parents might be Korean immigrants, but that doesn't guarantee that they taught you Korean language or taught you how to make Korean food. And when you go back to Korea, you still don't fit in. So adopting actually have the same experience just we have different set of parents and so to me I feel like that's maybe just one way of people the way people have coped throughout the years like well you're going to be less than me because I'm getting made fun of too so now I'm going to make you feel even worse (laughs) you know and it's really hard to embrace that in-between state you know like living in the gray space and Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of what adoptees have had to do for, for many years. But I say there's nothing glamorous about adoption, about about living in foster care or being in an orphanage or a family separation. If we were saying that in the context of immigration and or being a refugee, you would have empathy. But for, for adoptees, it's like you're so privileged, you're so white, you're you don't even you're not even Asian. Mm-hmm. And that's the I mean I'm in my 40s, and, you know, there are adoptees who were adopted during the Korean War. So, I mean, this has been going on for decades. Right, right. One of the things that I really wanted to um, put a spotlight on is how the experience of living in and growing up in the Midwest, not Chicago, but in the in the Midwest in an area like Metro St. Louis, how it is it's different or distinct um, as you were watching the film, were there things that you you could identify with because you know, Ashley grew up in White Hills, Washington, uh, which is a fictional place, White Hills, but also not necessarily. So, Bailey, um, were there things that you recognized in the film sort of about the setting and the, like, the sociocultural milieu that really kind of stand out? Yeah, I definitely think in St. Louis, the Asian community is very tight, and they have been very welcoming to me. Um, I think the the movie shows, like in the beginning, that people are really trying to connect with other Asian people um, for, you know, their child who is adopted and a transracial Asian adoptee. And so I 
definitely that was something that I connected with because that was something that I always wanted as a kid, but was very hard to find. And so when you see someone and you kind of assume like you might have the same experience or be able to bond over certain things because of your racial identity, um, I think that feels heightened in spaces like St. Louis and outside of major, major uh, coastal cities with larger Asian populations. Right. And Seth, you know, you had talked about joining a, a Filipino group when you went to college in Chicago. And I'm not poo-pooing Chicago by any means. <laughs> it's more about, like, how many more people there are there and the likelihood that you will meet somebody who shares you know, that particular part of your background without necessarily having to seek it out. Mm-hmm. But as a, particularly as a male adoptee, because so many of the stories, and Michelle had mentioned that the adoptee panel after the screening was all women. You know, are there particular things about having grown up, you know, in in the Metro East and then, you know, in St. Louis that um, that were particularly challenging? Yeah, definitely. I, I think identity was one of my biggest challenges growing up and Adoption and being adoption wasn't something I could hide. Um, I clearly do not look like my my parents. Um, they're both white. And I think growing up, there were many times where I, I struggled with taking pride in the color of my skin. And I wanted to look white, be white. And I thought my life would be easier if that was the case. And it took me many years to be proud of the color of my skin and own it on my on my sleeve. And I think that's an issue that um, Ashley struggled with in the film as well, is um, taking pride in her identity. So mm-hmm. that was one thing I could really relate to her on growing up in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. This is a, a question for each of you. I mean, I have identified you as adoptees and we've kind of agreed to that but do you feel that you have to say that when you meet people Bailey yeah I definitely do I feel like my story um, being adopted by a gay couple is also something that adds to the intersectional identity aspects and makes my story very complicated or complex, I should say, in some ways. And so sometimes when I introduce myself, there's always questions about like, where are you from? And of course, (laughs) that is a a very heavy question as well. Um, And so sometimes uh, that becomes all all. Uh, very mixed together. Um, so I, I definitely think that sometimes I overshare <laughs> when I say <laughs> I'm an adoptee and here's my story. And just in this last minute, um, you know, Seth, why did you decide to accept the invitation to be part of this conversation? Yeah, um, I, I really wanted um, to come on here today because Growing up, I really would have loved to have more of an adoption, adoptee community in St. Louis. And I hope that there are adoptees out there listening today to know that there are adoptee citizens in St. Louis. And um, yeah, I think representation, going back to representation. Yeah. Seth George is a 
Strategic Administrator with the Nonprofit World Affairs Council here in St. Louis. Bailey Martin Jacalone is a postdoctoral research fellow um, in epidemiology at Washington University. And Michelle Lee is journalist and KSDK Today in St. Louis co-anchor and co-founder of Very Asian Foundation. Thank you all for being here and for sharing with us today. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was produced by Elaine Shaw. With audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.